Flat Black Plastic is a show on MutinyRadio.fm. Go to the website, donate, enjoy what you're listening to because all these sounds come from plastic that's flat and black and full of grooves.
self-examination procedures developed by leading cancer specialists throughout the world. These exercises are completely straightforward and should be practiced by all women of all ages and ought not to take more than 5 to 10 minutes every 30 days. A prominent physician in New York State said that it might be wise to encourage high school and college students, girls, to start now with self-examination of the breasts, particularly high school girls. We want to add that there seems to be general agreement also that thermography, which picks up heat and radiation from the breast, is the least accurate type of screening. We want to repeat that. That thermography, which picks up heat radiation from the breast, is the least accurate type of screening. And that self-examination every month is essential for women of all ages.
too modest, too blase, too superior, or just simply ignorant. In fact, we live in a society in Britain and Canada and in the United States populated by millions of women who do not even bother about a monthly general This sadly too often means that the tumor on the breast may not be discovered until the cancer has spread to other parts of the body.
Slap Black Plastic on MutinyRadio.fm. It used to be it. Well, it used to be that the stockkeepers worked pretty freely with the mechanics and the foreman. We'd kind of stay close to each big job and, well, be kind of a free agent. Be sure the fellas had the material and tools they needed in time to keep the job from being held up. Hosley pauses before responding, hoping that Maxwell will carry the ball further himself. This does not happen, however. It's uh, different now? Oh, heck, Mr. Hosley, it's no secret that Burquist has made us a bunch of flunkies just like everybody else in the place. All we do is follow steps one, two, three. We sit in our cages and fill out material orders when the foremen say they want anything. It seems that some rather strong feelings have been tapped. Hosley decides to explore, but cautiously. Tell me a little more, then. I'm not quite with you. It's part of the whole reason why I'm leaving. The individual guy just doesn't count around here anymore. Burkus has made us a bunch of payroll numbers, and nobody cares about any of us as persons anymore. On this change in the storekeeper's job, I guess he figures, or somebody figured, that we were wasting too much time by being out on the floor with the men. That isn't the worst part of it. Everything the company has done for the last few months since Burkwist took over has been to make the employee a working stiff who isn't supposed to do anything unless he's told to. The question now is how much data Maxwell has to support his point. Is this really a well-thought-out observation or a superficial complaint? Could uh, you give me some more examples, Len? Well, like the way we used to order stuff before. All three of us in the pump section could order anything we wanted to up to $500 when we knew the job would need it. Now, before we can order anything, if it isn't in the store catalogs, even if it only costs a nickel, we have to get approval from purchasing. manager of marketing research. Doesn't mean as much as it would here, of course, since it's a pretty small department. But still, I have a lot more to say about how we plan our research projects than I have here at Taplow. Barker notes that this last comment was freely volunteered. That is the fact that Stevens would have more say about things. Is this perhaps significant? To get some expansion, he just restates what Stevens said. You'll have a bigger part in running the show. Right. I guess that's something everybody wants. Barker stays silent. This often produces additional information or show of feeling. At least it's something I'm looking for. Barker has the message pretty clearly now. If Stevens wants to expand on the subject, Barker will cheerfully and understandingly stay with him. But there's no point to Barker's keeping it going, since for his purpose, he's had enough of a picture of Stevens' need for power and authority. I see what you mean. Say, Jack, getting back to Tableau, what did you think about the salary we were paying you here?
right shoulder. Try to lean it over as far as you can.
Fucker. Fucker. Close the lips. Place air in the right cheek. Now switch the air from right to left. Switch it back. Back and forth. Now roll the air around in your mouth like you have marbles. Now frown. Relax. Frown again. Wide smile, mouth either open or close. Relax, smile, relax, smile, relax, smile, relax. Now tangle the face with the fingertips quickly and lightly. These exercises are not guaranteed to produce extreme beauty, but they will add to the youthfulness of
flat black plastic people thanks for listening support the station support your community do the right thing Updated every three parsecs. Timstesseract.com. Timstesseract.com. So you want to be a comic? It's not as easy as we make it look. But that's because Mutiny Radio has eight hours a week of open mic stage time for all your comedy workout needs. Strain those improv muscles every Sunday from four to six at Getting Sketchy with David Stolowitz. Press out those new jokes every Monday, six to eight on Joke Workshop. Birds, right? Where on the other hand, geese... Right. They're only crime equally as mean in San Francisco. Spark welcomes you to visit its two great locations as a medical patient or for recreational adult use in 2018. Spark is located at 1256 Mission Street between 8th and 9th and at 473 Haight Street at Fillmore. Both locations are open until 10 p.m. every night. Spark staff looks forward to serving you. Coming at these bitches and all these snitches hitting switches going back to riches. Rainbow Grocery, a worker-owned and operated food cooperative located at 1745 Folsom Street in the Mission District of San Francisco. Let's hear what locals have to say about Rainbow Grocery. Their bulk section is dope AF. I love their, their variety. Time for some call me Tim. All right, uh, welcome to some call me Tim. Today is 4:18 to timestamp it for you peeps. 4:18. It's almost 4:20. We have Juwan Rubin on the program today yes, to do. talk about what's going on. Juwan, I haven't met you before, but we have friends in common, so I, yes. I trust I trust that you are... A, 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 if you want to listen, you can. It doesn't matter. I'm, I'm going to hear the trippy music behind us. Nice. Uh, so... Yeah, we never met before. We've never met before. Yeah. So but I don't you know. saw I the post. Know, saw the post on Facebook on Bacon. Uh, bacon is... Uh, I don't want to tell too many people about bacon because I like to keep it as exclusive as possible. The, uh, the 7,500 people that are yeah. part of bacon, that's yeah, super exclusive. <laughs> a lot of fucking people. Yeah. And then there's also, uh, 
yeah there's a there's a google doc of all the uh different shows in the area so if you're a comedian and you want to know what's going on then go to bacon and find out you know if there's an open mic near you so yeah i saw your post and uh yeah i was like okay yeah i'm down to do a little bit of radio or whatever we got going on here i guess yeah. there's a podcast and all that yeah uh it, we're not we're not terrestrial but we are on the internet so uh so on this show the first thing i usually have you do is look deep into the eyes of sparkle jesus all right and uh and i ask do you believe in jesus do i believe in jesus I believe, I believe there was a, a man historically named Jesus oh. who came from Nazareth. That's historical. That's in, uh, you know, that's in his history books. Uh, as far as everything that's that goes on in the Bible, I also believe that as well. Really? Yes, I do believe the, everything that was going on in the Bible. Like I'm, Noah and the ark and yes. Jonah and the whale? All that. All, all that. that. All and, right. And so just to pre- uh, preface this, uh, I, am an actu- I am actually a minister. Really? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so this this conversation uh, of, of, will of, be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I I used to be a religious zealot. What does so, that mean? Um, I was I was one of the kids. I was on fire for Jesus as a child. Oh, like, you're a Jesus. Freak. I was a Jesus freak. I was <laughs> I went to Christian school. I was I was all about my 33 year old invisible friend that I got to talk to all the time. Nice. Solving all, solving all my problems. Nice. <laughs> uh, but I went I went to I mean I was in a Christian school for kindergarten through seventh grade and uh, really involved in the church until uh college so okay I what happened in college stories. well uh <laughs> yeah so what happened was we got had turned a, out huh? well we had a big we had a, and i was no i was a, i was a virgin until i got married um, okay. i mean i was very like i didn't want anybody to see me naked that was weird jesus shamed me into okay. that whole into not getting an std thanks jesus high five, high five. Um, well, so oh it's great but um we had a mega church kind of in a very rich town and our pastor who we revered and thought was this amazing person um he basically was sleeping with all the women that he was having one-on-one counseling with wow and so he would be on the pulpit and he would talk about his three children and his wife and how much he loved them and all this stuff and then he was having sex with like they didn't know if it was was between nine and 18 women wow who were all and he was like saying he was sort of using God as a way to get them to do it. Like I have to help. I, like I'm the go-between between you and God. And it was Gross. kind of like, right. Terrible. Right. <laughs> so when that happened, like my whole world just shat. I was like, everything I believe in is lies. Wow. It took us one guy having uh, maybe halfway consensual sex with 18 women. <laughs> right. And it was like, but it was that I had been taught to revere <laughs> this person. Right. Like, and so it just, for me, that was rough. Yikes. I'm so sorry that had to happen to you, you know? I mean, it was, <laughs> but I'm a much, I'm much better as like a crazy feminist than I was as a, as a religious zealot. I was annoying. I was like one of those, like walk up to you in the mall and be like, you need, is your life going to be, are you going to be saved by Jesus Christ? Like, is everything going to be okay with you? Like, I'm worried about you and I don't want you to go to hell. And so for God's love, the world, he gave his own begotten son. We should talk. And people are like, Whoa, on fire for Christ. Get out of here. Nice. Nice. But that was, you know, I don't do that anymore. You don't do that anymore. So, so that was the defining moment for you. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. What, what do you want to know? Uh, well, I mean, mean, whatever, what makes you, so you, you believe that like God exists and has a plan 
plan for your life and that yes. you're a tool in his toolcase toolkit like sure. i want to know what like how you well so with... well let's let's start at the very beginning okay. so the very beginning in the beginning you know god made heaven and the earth so we have to define who god is first so i think what happens is um a lot of people so I, okay, so let's go a little bit further back. So Plato, right? Uh -huh. Plato was a, a, a philosopher, the, uh, the, f the founder of all science really right now, right? And what he said was that the word doesn't matter. It's not the word that matters. It's the idea behind the word oh. that is re that's real. The words aren't real. Words are the way that we communicate with each other. But the idea. So if I t if I say uh, if I say the word chair, you might think of something that has a back with four legs, right? But a horse also has a back with four legs, right? Right. So it's really what goes into your mind. And so what happened was now fast forward, Hollywood uh, basically gave us images of who God. is is because there's because in the bible it says no one has ever seen the face of god nobody has right right uh moses saw a burning bush a couple other people saw visions or whatnot but then no one's ever seen the face of god no living person and so when you think of the idea of God, uh, Hollywood has kind of painted him as this big, you know, white guy with gray hair in the sky. Right. 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 The Zeus kind of thing. Yeah. The so Zeusian I God. think that's kind of where it came from. Right. Is they try to, you know, make it make sense. But really, if you the, the idea of God is that he's omnipresent. He's everything. Everything is God. Mm. Me. I'm God. You're God. This, you know, the walls are God. Everything is God. Right. And so. From there, the space between atoms. Right, the space between atoms. Because that's like that's a weird thing is, is you're sitting in a chair. Right. But that chair is basically a bunch of empty space. Right. Because if you look on the, you know, cellular level and atomic level, right. There's all this space in between these things that are moving around. Yet that's a chair. Definitely. So it's like the space. Yeah, right. and I actually I have a book on my website juanrubin.com. Um, so in my book I talk about this where it's that God is just a life force and you oh. can call it whatever you want. I may call it God. You may call it God. Somebody else might call it the force. Somebody else might call sure. it mother, mother nature. Someone else might call fate. it Allah, you know, fate, you know, sure. whatever. These, these, these are just words that we attach to the idea. Did now I, I, I this is a technical question, but in revelations, uh, John in his visions, never saw God. He saw the beast with the six, six, he no. saw the headed things. He saw the, he saw crazy stuff, a and bear frog or something. But and it's funny. No um, God. Um, you know, I don't know. You might want to Google this, but most, a lot of ministers don't preach on revelations because John, the revelator, <laughs> John, the revelator, he was, uh, he was actually, yeah, he got cat, he got banned. Right. And he was on this Island by himself with his servant. So he technically didn't write revelations. His servant did. Huh. And he secluded himself in a cave with a bunch of, uh, incense and other things going on. And that's how he, told his his servant to write revelations so a lot of reason why a lot of ministers don't preach out of revelations some do but not a lot of them do because technically john was high he was high yeah <laughs> he was smoking that that yeah. cave fungus some weird cave fungus yeah, that has like that's how he PC saw the visions yeah. sure. well and they say that when jesus when people try to scientifically reconstruct some of the miracles and and now with the legalization of marijuana what a miracle but they say that that cannabinoids and cannabis were grown at that point. Right. And when the Jewish priests, they would be anointed. They weren't just like anointed with oil, like a little on your head. Right. They were like physically dipped in these huge
huge vats of oil that had like all of these herbs and things going on and like yeah. probably cannabis. Yeah, yeah. And so because India was right there. Yeah. And that I mean that was growing around. I mean it, things moved around. We know that there were trading routes and whatnot. Yeah. But so they literally like anoint them and so they'd yeah. have visions. Yeah, yeah. Because they'd I don't know, emotionally and physically prepared. Yeah, and that, and I hope they don't get in trouble for saying this, but I mean, nowhere in the Bible is it safe for you not to smoke marijuana. Sweet. Right? Well, it says body's a temple, and yeah, I guess, but smoking but marijuana is, is good for you, so, you know, it's kind of helping your temple. It's not destroying it. Unless you talk about, like, current carcinogens and all that, then in that case, you do, like, a vape pen or you sure. do edibles. Yeah. But, um, yeah, there's nothing real, there's nothing technically a, a wrong with it. It's just, you know, you have these traditions. Like, I, I grew up in the Baptist church, so ah. they're very rigid, very uh, conservative. But you're not a Baptist, Baptist minister. I am a Baptist. You minister. are a Baptist minister. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm yeah, I'm licensed through the Baptist church. Wow. <laughs> wow. But I'm a I'm eclectic. My views are very because yeah, you already that's pretty mind blowing with the platonic chair theory, <laughs> and uh, but yeah, so you're a Baptist minister. Yes, ma'am. That's great. So, but you worship. You never swear. You don't. So I do swear. So I mean, okay. so okay, we can go into actual scripture if you want. I mean, like the when Jesus says to refrain from using profanity. If you look up the word profanity, profanity just means any words that you use that will make someone uncomfortable or or, oh. or demean them in any way, huh. right? So if I'm if I'm in a conversation with someone and I know socially it's uh, these are quote unquote cuss words, and actually let's even back up a little bit more. Why are these the f word and the sh word bad words? If you know, right? So I had a psychology teacher. He's, he studied linguistics, and he told me a story. So I'm gonna tell you this story, okay? It basically goes like this. So in England, right? Because that's where English comes from. In England, before England was in a country, there was two uh, uh, major tribes, and they were at war with each other, right? And so. One of the tribes, uh, which we, we can call them English, on their armor during battle, they would write on their armor, fornicate and defecate. Huh. Was basically meant that they were going to rape your women and crap all over your land. Right? right. Sure, sure. So in retaliation, the other tribe wrote on their armor the same thing, but in their language, fucka and shitta. Huh. Right. And so needless to say, the English tribe won. And so that became, uh, the other tribe became the forbidden language. You weren't supposed to speak. That yeah. And so when you talk about like our, you know, Baptist, conservative Baptists, yeah, technically, you know, they, they don't cuss. A lot of Christians don't cuss, quote unquote cuss. Uh, but that, that's just a misconception of what, you know, profanity is. Right. right? That's just the for, forbidden language. Well, so if I'm talking, so fast forward. So if I, if I'm talking to someone and I know socially it's not acceptable to use those words, then I'm not all, you know, automatically going to use them because I know I might be, pro, uh, be profaning them. Them, right. right. Um, however, if I'm in a conversation and someone's dropping an F-bomb, S-H-bomb, then that gives me free range to do it as well because I know it's not going to offend them. Right. And there's also a, a cultural context. When I hear people, when I'm on the bus and somebody has hip-hop music on that has very bad words in it, mm. I don't say anything unless there's children. And mm. if there's kids, I kind of put like the moral kibosh on it. I'm like, can you put your headphones on? There's kids. Yeah. Like, yeah. just because... 
Well, that's I don't stupid swear in, in general. They shouldn't be playing music. Well, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't swear in front of children because I don't think it's appropriate. I feel like uh, these are words that we get to use when we're adults because we understand the language and we know how to use them yeah. and we know context. And so I don't want to do them in front of children. Yep. So that's the only reason. So it's it's moral. It's more like an I don't know an integritous ethical stance on swear. But I swear. Oh my god. Yeah. Like, Dude, I do stand-up, so I'm yeah. constantly swearing yeah. and talking about profane and ridiculous ideas. Off top, yeah. yeah. And when I first started doing com- I've been doing comedy for about seven, eight years now. Oh, so wow. When I first started doing it, I wasn't a minister, so I, you know, my comedy is a little more raunchy. And then when I came became a minister, it's like, well, okay, I should clean, probably clean this up, you know, clean up my acts. And sure. it was a very difficult thing to do to, you know, not use profanity and not, you know, not, not go off the cuff with cuss words and even just the subject matters you know having to change subject well when you write sermons you write a whole sermon every week right you write an hour or half hour long speech for the most part i either either i write it manuscript or i just write notes because you you've got a captive audience you can if you can write clean material you can do a 30 minute set every sunday that's great. <laughs> Basically, for twice for two different, two different shows. Thirty minutes. It's kind of like that. Yeah. I mean, come on, that's great. It's kind of like that's that. That's super yeah. cool. I mean, but it has to come from the word. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I, you I, can do, make... I throw jokes in there. I have tons of jokes about feminism in the Bible. Yeah. Ruth and Esther. Let me hear one. Okay. Um, <laughs> so you obviously know the Book of Ruth, so I don't have to. There's there's two books in the Bible that are specifically named after women, and so right. I figure Ruth as a feminist, Esther. I yeah. should, you know, do a little study into those. So. What I learned um, from the book of Esther mm-hmm. is that um, what you have to do as a woman is have a hot rack and not look Jewy. <laughs> so her name was Hadassah. All They're right. like, oh, girl, you got to cut that out. You got to, your name is not Hadassah. Your name is Esther. They basically put her in with the concubines of the king after he, he, he kicks out his queen Vashti because she won't dance around naked in front of his drunk buddies. <laughs> and then he's like, I'm going to get another hot bitch up in my crib. And then... He's like, you know, change your name. Don't be Hadassah, be Esther. And then she saves the entire Jewish people. How? Is she good at puzzles? Is she like, she's an incredible vocalist. She's an amazing musician. No, she has a hot rack and doesn't look Jewy. That's basically what I learned from the book of Esther. Thank you, God. Nice, I know exactly what to do with it. I know exactly what I should do as a feminist. That's um, awesome. Thank you. See, that you like, get it because oh, you read, yeah. read the book. So yeah. when I do that joke, if people don't have any biblical knowledge, they just yeah. look at me blankly. They're like, we don't care. We don't get it. We have no context yeah. for what you're talking about. I wish I had that joke. Uh, before I was a minister, I did a, um, <laughs> I did a fashion show. Uh, I did a, um, I did a private show <laughs> and I did about 15 minutes set. Um, and I actually had dinner rolls thrown at me at this <laughs> church event. You know what I mean? And I, I made the joke, uh, let he who was without sin throw the first dinner roll. <laughs> and like, they just came flying. I didn't know who threw them. It was, it was an interesting moment because that's I'm like, hilarious. you guys are Christian. What are you doing throwing dinner rolls at me? If you don't like my comedy, that's one thing. But don't, don't, you know. That was wow. I, I guess maybe I offended them in some kind of way. So Actually, I was a minister at that time. <laughs> this is a thing that, this is a strange biblical question about, um, Jesus oh, gets man. big on people about calling someone fool. Right, so it's right. kind of like that. Just like Proverbs too. It's like, that's the super, is that like the judgiest thing you can do is to call someone else a fool or a foolish. And I'm thinking though, as comedians, aren't we playing the role of the fool or is that linguistically different? The fool that he's talking about is not like the Shakespearean fool, right? right. which like, so is it, which con- like, what did he mean by right. 
And why did he take such like great offense about calling your like it was in the Beatitudes like don't ever call anyone a fool it's the worst thing you can do. Yeah, you know Beatitudes that's cool. And I'm like really? Yeah. Um. Well, first off, you know, uh, it, it, people get a lot in trouble a lot with scripture because the danger is is that the King James version or any of these other versions they're translations. Sure. Right? So as a minister, what I usually have to do before, when I'm getting into a scripture is I have to translate it back to the original language, right? Because depending on where you are, if you're talking about Jesus, then that's the New Testament, so it was written in uh, Arama Aramaic, uh, Aramaic yeah. and Hebrew. And so, depending on you know what scripture it is, you have to translate it back. So that scripture, I probably have to translate it back to Hebrew just to see what word fool, because he might be it might be two different types of fools, sure. right? Um, and so uh, that's number one. Number two is. Um, um, you remember that you know we have the Old Testament, the New Testament. At the beginning, God made Adam and Eve, and He made them in His image, right? So, uh, when He made them in His image, <clears throat> basically He made them perfect, sure, or at least as perfect as He could uh, in the physical form. And so, our our goal as human beings were always to be a, ref a, f a reflection of God and His image, and almost the perfect being that He is. So when you but when, when you're live up to that. exactly so when you're foolish, <laughs> then you're not being you're not on the high wisdom of God. So when mm -hmm. so when Jesus brings up, I'm not 100 percent sure as I haven't studied the scripture, but when he talks about the fool, he's probably talking about the fool in Proverbs because Jesus references the Old Testament a lot, right? So he's probably talking about the fool in Proverbs. When it, the fool in Proverbs, it's always it's always the difference between wisdom, which comes from God, and foolishness, which uh, is not not just that you don't have wisdom. Wisdom, but you don't have knowledge either. Right. Well, and it's, it, there's a, a, a carelessness of thought. It's that it's being, it's foolishness is almost impulsivity because if you were going to think about things, so it's almost like he's warning us yeah. against being. Yeah. Uh, think before you speak, think right. before you think do, before you but not even just that think and then also pray to God for the wisdom so that you can think clearly. But isn't that just an argument for like meditation? So that's the thing is Definitely. if you're praying like, cause when I was little, I literally believed that like Jesus, 33 year old Jesus with his little stigmata right. is sitting next to me on my bed, <laughs> petting my head. And I'm like, Oh, the girls don't like me. And he's like, it's okay. You'd say everything's cool. And I'm like, but I don't know why everybody doesn't like me. And he's like, yeah. if you could just shut up a little bit, people might like you a little bit more. But Jesus, I don't. he's like, nobody likes to know it all, Pam. Come on. You know, but it, it's in the question is as a child, was I truly, but in my belief that was there like yeah but that's not that's almost like when i was a child i thought like a child and now i'm a man and i've put childish ways behind me oh, and no. it's like so does jesus i mean that's so weird for me because it was like i think i was little and i believed that that was real and now i'm an adult and i'm like when we die we're fucking dead <laughs> like that's it there's right. no there's no 12 mansions in the sky. <laughs> There's no riches piling up for me. Right, it's right. kind of all here. Yeah. Well, when I first, uh, before I became a minister for about three years, I was really deep into the word and trying to like really, uh, get right. Well, not to say get right. Just, I was curious enough to really study it. Right. And so that's kind of why I prefaced at the very beginning that, you know, the, the word doesn't matter. It's the idea behind the word. Right. So, you know, to me, 
I'm praying to God but to someone else they're meditating to to get nirvana but I mean or someone is speaking something into existence as well right you talk about the law of attraction right sure so sure. if you if you say I want this to happen and you you think about it in a positive way the law of attraction says that it'll come your way right now you can make those parallels is that just the universe you know giving you what you asked for because you were thinking about it or or and that and saying it because the law of attraction says you actually have to say it too sure it's the same as as prayers is pretty much uh, in the that, same yeah, realm yeah. yeah well and th the other thing is that like when you're negative and in a bad mood people don't like you and so you probably aren't going to get what you want yeah like the nicer and better and hey jesus turn the other cheek yeah Stop. instead of picking up a stick <laughs> or a gun right. you can like empathize and and be calm because nobody can force any reactions out of you yeah it's how we react to the situation and yeah. putting wisdom into your reactions i think that's where yeah Cause otherwise because if we're just being reactionary all the time yeah then, then what then yeah <sighs> you have to respond not react you know because re reaction is at the very minimum level of physics right and we're a little bit above physics because we're sure. able to study physics right Un unlike the trees who just adhere to physics and they can't do anything about it right <laughs> yeah you don't you don't uh yeah they can't study physics you don't feel just, the wind you you hear the tree yeah um <laughs> There's this is a so how old are you? Are you 33? You're a little older. I'm just curious. Uh, yeah, I'm in my uh, 30s. Oh, yeah, because uh, Jesus did all his ministry in his 33rd year, and I think that's very interesting, and specifically that it was just this one year. Oh, crap. And it's yeah. 33 is this great kind of thing. So, uh, my boyfriend just turned 33, and I wanted to have because he's also very religious. Uh, and I wanted <laughs> so to he's have religious, which you're not. No, no, he was. Oh, he's he also was. now he's like he's super into punk rock, and he's like, fuck God, punk rock uh, is dope. Yeah, I love but punk um, rock. so at first 33rd birthday, I wanted to have a party and he's like I don't want a party so I was like fuck but I, I came up with the ideas for it it was going to be all Jesus Jesus themed so I was going to make one called Pearls Before Swine and they were going to be little pearl onions wrapped in bacon and then like with some herbs so like with um okay herbs. so like i take like a rosemary and stick it through the pearl onion and then roast it and then put some bacon around it and so that would be one pearls before swine okay. and i wanted to make i wanted them all to be biblically themed so i wanted to do five loaves two fish and so i'd wanted to do two <laughs> fish in a salt crust where you take the whole fish and you put it in the salt crust and then you make it look like a fish on the outside and you crack it open <laughs> and have like and bake a bunch of fresh bread like five loaves i just thought it would be really cute right to have like a jesus themed 30 <laughs> third birthday party food thing and he was like that's really darling but we don't have that many friends and nobody will get it like, they'll be like why are you and for a week i was like she trying to come up like, yeah, yeah. Jesus, Jesus food. it's really funny because of all the parables it's like yeah. the seeds in the don't you know the seeds in the in the in the uh rocky path you, yeah. you plant your seeds you don't just it's the same thing he talks a lot about restraint you don't just throw your seeds willy-nilly wherever and go well i hope something grows yeah you have to take it's the seed of, yeah. nurture the seed maybe even germinate it first you've yeah. got to nurture the soil you got to build your little do the whole thing plant it put on the fertilizer don't throw it on rocks yeah don't why would you <laughs> why would you have expectations of anything i i really love the parables because i love allegories and i think any fables being told as like I feel like that's what's wrong with kids these days is we're not teaching them moralistic anything it's like Disney is teaching them morals right. which is terrible we don't want why are we giving D Disney all the power over right. shaping our children yeah. where it's like but the parables and allegories it's great stuff it's you know stuff, like yeah. the 
You know, don't and build it, your house in a sandy land. Don't yeah. build it too near the shore. And that's what, and that's one of the reasons why Jesus spoke in parables because it, it helped people unlock their minds. You know, um, metaphors and all that. Just the beauty of of linguistics. That's what I, I really love. Uh, actually, I teach. <laughs> I teach a public speaking class and a writing class, um, like five or six hours a week. And cool. Yeah, I, I try to let them know about similes and all that stuff. And it's it's interesting to see how kids, you know, they somewhere in their brain they get it, right? But they they can't put it into words what they understand or what they get, right? And so you know, you bringing that up is is that makes a lot of sense. And and it, even just you know, I'll have kids. Do you have kids? No. Okay. Well, I hopefully, you know, I don't know. One day I'll have kids or maybe not. I don't really care at this point. But, uh, you know, um, yeah, so kids, like, um, one, one thing that I, I want to do is I, I don't want them to be in the school system because I, I just, I feel like, yeah, yeah like, it's a, it's a babysitting system. Right? Absolutely. That's kind of where it came from. When, when the Industrial Revolution hit, all of a sudden now people are going to work uh, nine to five, whereas prior to that, people owned a farm or they owned a business right. and they just worked whenever, you know? Um, and so when they were in the factory from nine to five, couldn't leave, the kids needed something to do. So that's where K, K through 12 came about. Wow. And so I've been, te- you know, I've, I've been teaching for about six or seven years as well. And when I first, the first time I started teaching, I was like, why are we teaching these, these kids, these outdated things? Right. You know, it really, we're I, teaching to the test, which yeah. is so dumb when no child they're left not behind. they not anything. No, they're not. Cause they're not, there's no critical thought. I, no. I thought that George Bush's, I was, I was a credentialed school teacher from 97 to 2001. Right. And I got out because I saw what no child left behind was bringing in. Oh, and really? that was taking away critical thought. Everything went from test taking. It, huh? it went to test taking Wow. and fill in the blank and, and fill in the simile. This is to this is this is to this, you know, wow. that kind of stuff, as opposed to reading a story and, and considering the themes and applying those themes to your own life or right. like all of that was just wow. gone. Creative yeah. writing gone. Yeah. I graduated Oh four. So I probably saw the, the tail end of that. But, um, yeah, when I was, um, yeah, when I was in high school, I, I went to a pretty cool high school. So uh, shout out to James Logan in Union City. Um, very, it's a, it's a college preparatory school. So they still made us do that. And I, I had a really hard time. Like I was telling my kids the other day, like I had a hard time understanding English just because I was a mathematical thinker. And everything huh. you just said about like um, analyzing themes, it just didn't make any sense to me because in math, there's always one answer. Right. But when there's when you're reading a book, there might be multiple themes and I couldn't grasp the concept of there being more than one theme sure but it really helped me when I figured it out in college really uh, my mind just opened up right and just I started I started seeing things from different perspectives exactly I think that the only thing that's going to save the world right now is uh fiction stories literature is good literature written about people who, who writes good literature well anymore. i i think that Stephen, <laughs> i think i think that stephen king is going to be known as as one of the literary greats one day because of his short stories are really incredible but yeah. when you are writing in even a first person narrative and it's somewhat like stephen king can write from a woman's perspective and he does it amazingly he can write from like a racist's perspective and it's mm. totally great you can he can write from a misogynist he can write from a crazy person's perspective. He wrote a lot of books. He's written, oh my God, he's written like so many novels and then all the short stories and everything. It's just, it's mind blowing. But I think that's what can save 
we, the reason that we people don't why can't we just all get along mm-hmm. is that we are unable to empathize with one another and right. one of the ways that we can teach empathy is through fiction off top because when people are reading a story mm-hmm. you get that intimate like you're the character right, right, it's right, right. your brain or you're that you know like you're there as you but you're also there as what the author wants you to do well frig it's, it's also it's a dangerous uh, situation now because i don't know if you heard but like kids have they just have like ipads and laptops in school now so now they're they, they're still reading but they're reading pixel, pixels Oof. right so what happens is with your brain is that you know you have two hemispheres of your brain the pixels only activate one side of your brain oh right whereas when you read when you read actual print there's actual ink right and so right. your brain is picking up not only uh not only just the words but the calligraphy of the words sure, the and, font. and yeah, yeah the actual font and so you use both hemispheres of your brain sure well because so it's, it's a picture it's it's yeah. either it, a letter is one symbol that is a picture it's a yeah. picture symbol and when you're reading it on a screen it's a hundred t- tiny little blips of light yeah. that become a, a letter yeah. it's like instead of one image it's multiple images being one image it's yeah. pretty mind-blowing yeah it is mind-blowing and and that's and that's one of the reasons why i think kids don't want to read anymore they're kind of gravitating towards doing uh, looking at video or looking right. at film uh, and it, it's just it's it's vapid consumption of images see that's the problem yeah. i have is that but they're smart as hell i know but they need but but we can teach them when they make pictures in their own head that's only going to make them smarter right like the idea that TV and movies and visual images are what they kind of gravitate towards. Mm -hmm. It's because it's easy. Because Mm -hmm. when you read a book, you have to take those little symbols and you have to put those symbols into words. And then you have to think, oh, what does that word mean in which language? And what does that mean? And then you put them in sentences and then they create pictures in your head. There's a lot of higher order fucking thinking going on when you're reading. You know? And so that, we're we're losing that. And that's scary. And then we wonder why kids don't care. We wonder why we have a president who watches TV all day and doesn't read books and doesn't actually study. (laughs) Because why would... Because I already know everything. We don't. There's so... So you're not a Trump supporter. Oh, God. Well, how, how could I be? How could anybody <laughs> in California be? Are, are you? Um, I like to think of myself as a Trump empathizer. An uh, empathizer? Yeah, not a, I'm not a 100% a Trump supporter, but I do empathize with, with him. But he's he's an egotistical maniac. He's out of control. Most guys are, you know. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I've... But Obama wasn't. He was so humble and Obama was an actor. He was the he was the best actor we've ever had as president. Think so? He should have got an Oscar. But he's but he was a, he's a <laughs> hey. everyone's dietary needs. They don't have meat. Rainbow Grocery Cooperative, an amazing San Francisco staple since 1975. For all your space chicken sci-fi comedy non-political humor needs, go to timstesseract.com. Read fiction about the future of San Francisco after the water wars of 2121 in Jane 6. Ask a Jedi for important life hacks. Eat flesh with the bear exoskeleton contessa. And check your horror horoscope on Horoscopia. Updated every three parsecs. Timstesseract.com. Timstesseract.com.
want to be a comic, it's not as easy as we make it look. But that's because Mutiny Radio has eight hours a week of open mic stage time for all your comedy workout needs. Strain those improv muscles every Sunday from four to six at Getting Sketchy with David Stolowitz. Press out those new jokes every Monday, 6 to 8, on Joke Workshop with four-minute sets and four-minute critiques from everyone. Get positive by host Pam Benjamin. Pump those dick jokes every Thursday, 7 to 9, with True Hustle Thursdays. Hashtag THC. That's hashtag THCT. You want more open mics? Fridays, 6 to 8. Happy hour with guest host and George D. Smith. Pew, pew, pew. Four open mics every week at Mutiny Radio, brother. Come in after work and take a seat at Asiento, a great place to meet friends, have delicious tapas and drinks, and relax with your neighbors. Located at Bryant and 21st Street in the Deep Mission, Kitty Corner Block from Mutiny Radio. Come and get a drink during the comedy festival and enjoy happy hour pricing all night long with your festival ticket. A great neighborhood bar. Come take a seat at Asiento. The Roxy Theater is San Francisco's favorite nonprofit art house cinema, bringing you the best, coolest, weirdest, most thought provoking movies of the past, present, and future. Hands down, there is no better way to get your film fix than at this legendary historic theater. Visit www.roxy.com. That's www.roxie.com today for showtimes and tickets. Everybody should listen to Mutiny Radio at mutinyradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things.
July 1946, Paris. In the reception room of that palace on the right bank of the river, a hale and hearty journalist heckled for a quarter of an hour a thin man with deep marks of suffering and privation on his face, who had in front of him a small vase of pink roses. Round about were nearly 100 reporters and observers from all countries.